Welcome to the AT. Oh, we got to record. Fuck. No, we're recording. We're good. Ah! How's it going, guys? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of the ATB Fantasy Show. This show is part of the ATB Podcast family. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining me. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. With me today is a very special guest, Mr. Jeff Crisco of Fantasy Football Absurdity. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, sir. I'm glad to be off work and I've got a, a cold beverage in hand. Yes, I uh, no, I'm I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, as we discussed beforehand, I am drinking a, a, dare, a diet cherry vanilla Hanson. So um, I'm definitely a cool guy tonight. <laughs> but what is a Hanson? Because I've never heard of that. Oh, it's like um, it's kind of like a, a, a part juice, part sparkling water. It's it's thicker than like a Lacroix, mm-hmm. but it's but it's not quite a juice. Um, you, you you see them a lot in like uh like uh i guess health food stores uh, my wife got them from sprouts if you know it's if you guys have sprouts out there but um yes, they're good are. they're good they have a, a nice mouth feel i i enjoy them you know i uh i've never had a Lacroix, so i, I can't you know i don't understand the reference there or the comparison there but i'm a big fan of like seltzer waters and the, those kind of drinks so mm-hmm. that, that sounds like something that could be even used as a good mixer just something that is refreshing yes it's um yeah no it's 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 a uh, it's 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 a little bit thicker than a seltzer water but it, it's very tasty if you want to mix it with whatever your high proof drink of choice might be yes sir well jeff um you know you kind of gave gave it away we cannot discuss football without just uh, honoring our, the former host and friend of the show, Mr. Rich Maletto, aka Bodacious Beer on Twitter. Jeff, you already said you're drinking a uh, cherry vanilla Hanson. That, mm-hmm. that, that was the question. For me, I'm, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, craft beers. You strike me as somebody who might enjoy craft beer, but I'm drinking a local brew here. It's a Rar and Sons Payeta de Mango. It's mango chili beer with lime. Oh, that sounds really good. I, um, I actually... I have two friends in the craft beer game. One uh, owns a brewery in Sacramento, Wesak. Shout out to Campus uh, Brewing Company. And uh, my other friend is a he's a distributor for um, Carl Strauss. I don't know if that's made it out to Texas, but that started as a um, as a uh, craft brew company. Very cool. Party at the Crisco's, right? That's right. <laughs> Well, so uh, Jeff is joining me for what is the last episode of this series where I break down every division in the NFL and discuss it with a fan of a team in that division. Last week, I discussed the AFC West West with Mr. Josh Larkey. This week, Jeff joins me to discuss the NFC West, and he just so happens to be a fan of the San Francisco 49ers. You know, Jeff, I'm curious, which team in the NFC West do you think improved the most this offseason? I mean, the, the easy answer is the Cardinals, not only because they improved a lot, but because they had the biggest like gap to the rest of the division. Like they felt like they were like the little brothers, obviously the Niners were what six and 10 last year, but they were just beset by injuries. But I mean, they added like any, like AJ green, whether you think he has something in the tank or not, he had something to the, to the team. Rodney Hudson was a great pickup for them along the line. And then Rondale Moore and uh, JJ Watt 
um, were also big pickups. And I think that they, they improved the most um, this off season uh, in a division that really um, the Rams were a close second too. Uh, Seahawks did I mean, Seahawks probably got worse. Um, and the Niners got a little bit better, but um, I would have to give it to the Cardinals as the team that probably got, got, uh, will have the biggest change um, in talent level this year. You know, I know Seattle didn't really do a lot as far as personnel goes, but mm-hmm. do you not think that they, do you not think that they made improvements on the coaching staff? Well, that see, that's, that's the hard part because um, they got the, uh, the name escapes me, but the passing game coordinator from the Rams, I believe is their new right. OC, but they fired Brian Schottenheimer because he didn't want to run the ball enough. But, but Brian Schottenheimer has this really backwards thing. I don't know if you've heard of the rule of 53, which is 53 combined completions and carries means that you're going to win the game, which is a really backwards way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's like, he loves to run the football and the rumors are that he got let go because he didn't run the football enough. Right. Even though when they were winning last year, they were just letting Russ air it out. I exactly. think, I, I think that the coaching change in Seattle could do a lot to help their offense just because it could get more creative. Like Brian Schottenheimer has been a, he's been a laughing stock for like a decade. You know, uh, there's a gif it's like third and eight and he has four wide and he's running four, six yard curls. It's like, <laughs> you know, he's been a joke for so long. So, I mean, just yeah. by having a competent play caller back there, um, I think, yeah, they, they should improve somewhat, but their personnel, I mean, Tutu, I mean, not Tutu, uh, Dwayne Eskridge was just a wasted pick. I, I hated that pick so much for them and they didn't really do much else except for pick up gerald everett uh-huh. like you know russ is a year older their line didn't really get that much stronger um i just i i, I feel like seattle's treading water and the cliff is coming very soon i just kind of appreciate that breakdown there it is kind of interesting that Eskridge, he's an older prospect but it looks like he'll be ready to contribute year one if we you know mm-hmm. given the opportunity but uh, i was kind of surprised that they let uh, i believe it's david moore go to the Panthers, because when he was given chances and targets, I mean, he was a, a big play threat down the field. I was I was surprised that they let him go and then, you know, use that kind of draft capital on another receiver who really isn't that special. Yeah, David Moore, he, yeah, that was an interesting player to let go. It reminds me a lot of the 49ers letting Kendrick Bourne go, where it's mm-hmm. like, um, if you watch the team week in, week out, you're like, oh, I understand how important this player is to the team. But if you, just, like, don't watch the games at all, you just look at the box scores, you're like, oh, okay, so they let their, like, number three or number four wide receiver go it's not a big deal but it's like yeah david moore was a consistent you know he was a consistent up there for them for a while and uh he helped out the offense a lot um but yeah i i don't know what they're doing because eskridge um i so i don't watch ncaa football it's a personal thing it's a personal philosophy because um actually i'm gonna start watching it now this year because they got the name image and likeness rights um i didn't want to watch it if the players weren't getting paid and um my college didn't have a football team so that made it really easy and uh um so i watched pre-draft i watched 25 rookie wide receivers he was my number 25 before i even saw his age he's just he's nothing special. And um, my guess is with Eskridge is they tried to trade back and tried to trade back. And we're like, well, we don't pick again until like round five. So we will just get Eskridge, even though we'd feel better if we got two more picks and got Eskridge in the, you know, in the fourth or whatever. Right. You say Eskridge was ranked 25th. I'm curious. Who did, who, who did you have at number six? At number six. All right. Let me pull up my, let me pull up my ranks. Hold on. Reason being, Cause I feel like the top five for everybody's interchangeable. So that's why I asked. 
let's see. Number six for me pre-draft was um, I had uh, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. And where yeah. Now? Uh, Elijah Moore right now in my what's funny is I don't really do post-draft uh, rookie ranks, um, but let me, let me double check that for season long, uh, my ranks, my overall ranks. So hold on. I'm not a big fan of Elijah Moore and this can, this kind of gets into the, he is 68 for me. Oh boy. I'm not a big fan of Elijah Moore in the jets offense, just because the 49ers offense doesn't really um, have a lot going for it for, wide receivers and i see a lot of because i mean they got sala they got lafleur they have basically 49ers east going out there and it's Uh a situation where i mean you've got Corey davis who got brought in you've got um uh denzel mims who's already there you got jameson crowder and then you've got elijah moore i think elijah moore has something in him down the line but for this year, I see it's going to be a lot. I think of Corey Davis and Jamison Crowder because one, they're the established bets. Two, they fit more that old um, mold when you think of like a Shanahan offense, like uh, Pierre Garcon with the early forty, Shanahan's early time with the 49ers, uh, sort of you know possession receivers get kind mm-hmm. of moved to the forefront, um, and even George Kittle is kind of more of a possession guy even though he's more athletic they kind of use him like that at times so it's like i'm not really big on elijah moore this year but it has a lot to do with i'm not really big on the jets offense as a whole this year and insofar as finding like that one fantasy guy that's really going to help you out right looking at the jets i mean a, a, a rookie coaching staff with a with a rookie rookie uh quarterback and then just pieces on offense i don't know much about each other it's good for the future but best of temporary expectations this year yeah. Plus, I mean, one thing that's kind of uh, people are kind of uh, sweeping under the rug is rookie quarterbacks. They generally don't do a great job of sustaining a, you know, fancy football value. Like we saw Justin Herbert do it last year. Um, but uh, before that, I did the I did the math and I'm trying to trying to find it here really quick. Um, here it is. Uh, since 2010, 15 first round quarterbacks have thrown at least 450 passes. Uh, there have been five top 24 finishes in that time frame. So it's like one out of three. And it's not really guys that, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Elijah Moore belongs in the category of Steve Smith, Reggie Wayne, Keenan Allen, and Mike Evans. I, I just I, I just don't think he belongs in that category. So it's like, um, it's an uphill battle for Elijah Moore to be good this year, I think. Understandable. Well, you know, we were talking about the uh, NFC West and I'm curious, which team from this division have you invested the most in in fantasy? I love the Rams this year. Um, I wasn't so the 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 dirty secret is I was never a Cam Akers guy this offseason. I thought that Cam Akers hype got because he had two big games at the end of the year when everybody was looking. Right. And so his hype got out of control. So Cam Akers was a guy that I was fading at his at his ADP because I thought he belonged more in the like running back 16 17 range and when you're talking the difference between running back like 12 and 16 it's it's sounds like a thin margin but you're at the top of the draft so it's like if there's a lot of people who like him like 10 11 12 13 he's not going to fall to you and um so i was you know scooping up daryl henderson places i think that he's he's more than competent enough to take over in that backfield. But what I really love is math adding Matthew Stafford to this backfield I th- or to this quarterback room. I think it's going to do a lot to help both Robert Woods and Cooper cup because um, I don't know how widespread this is, 
but there's a phrase that that we use uh for jared goff in the nfc west and it's jared goof that guy was not <laughs> very, it was not a very competent quarterback and just adding matthew stafford it's like sean McVay gets to dust off this old dust i like to imagine he has this big you know, shelf of his playbooks. And he has one that's just covered in dust and he, and he takes it out and it says plays for a competent quarterback. And he gets to start integrating those into, into his game plan this year, because Matthew Stafford, he, he every single year, we disrespect Matthew Stafford and be like, yeah, he's fine. And every single year, he's one of the best pure passers in the NFL. He has one of the strongest arms. He's one of the smarter quarterbacks in the NFL. And like, he's been making it work with, you know, a banged up Kenny Galladay with like Marvin Jones uh, since Calvin Johnson retired. Mm-hmm. And now he gets two guys that I think are both legitimately really good wide receivers. Oh yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I love, I, I hate to say it as a 49ers fan, but I love the Rams this year because a they're going to be a good offense and they're very clear as to where the football is going to be going, especially now that Cam Akers is not going to be playing in 2021. You know, I'm curious, not that not, nothing against the Rams because I do like the, the investment there, but was that more of uh, an ADP type of investment? Why are you invested in so many Rams or is that a, a bit of an ADP and maybe what, what you think is some upside there? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, I did my uh, my projections a little bit earlier this year than I usually do because I, I usually wait for Kyle Yates to put out his uh, his little calculator on Twitter. Um, but I started using Analyst Depot this year, which I'm not affiliated with them. So it's it's just it's just a plug for a product I like. Yeah. Um, and so I did my first round of, of um, projections and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup were 12 and 13 for me. So not only is it mm. an ADP thing, it's a they're legit going to be legitimately good wide receivers this year. Um, and I think people are leaning more cup than woods just cause cup had that strong end of 2019. That's still in our brains. Uh, cause 2020, we kind of all scrapped cause of COVID. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really, I just, I, I really like them both. I think Robert Woods is the one that I would go over Cooper cup though. You know, I kind of feel like Van Jefferson's a sneaky pickup and, and redraft and, and dynasty for sure right now. Yeah, I think so. Van, Je- so I liked Van Jefferson last year. Um, I thought that he was a, a good guy to stash in your dynasty leagues. I thought that they were going to bring him in because he's he's faster than you think, um, than a lot of people think. Um, and I thought he he was going to take more of the deeper stuff that Brandon Cooks kind of left when he uh, ended up in Houston. But then they just didn't use him, and they used like Josh Reynolds and and Tyler Higby and and yeah. and Gerald Everett and. Van Jefferson, I think. So we have a we have a we have a saying when we talk about players at football series is when you draft someone, remember why you drafted them. And Van Jefferson is a classic, like remember why you drafted him guy. I don't think Van Jefferson does a lot in the first like five, six weeks of the season just because you've got Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know, they're probably gonna try to force the ball to Tyler Higby more. You've got the learning and the trials and tribulations of a Rams offense. But once that all cleans out, mm-hmm. I think. I think Van Van Jefferson ends up as the third wide receiver here. So he'll have value. So if you end up with him, don't drop him after like week four. Cause he is, I mean, I hate to use the example, but we kept telling people don't drop cam Akers last year. It's the same team, but it was like, we were like, you drafted cam Akers for the second half. Don't drop cam Akers. Don't drop cam Akers. And then cam Akers came out and smashed at the end of the year. So I, it's not going to be Cam Akers level play, but I think, yeah, Jan- Van Jefferson's a guy that he's talented enough and the offense is going to be prolific enough. He's just kind of just got to like flick the little flies of like Deshaun Jackson and Tutu Atwell and, and those guys away. And then he'll have a chance to, to shine. Absolutely. Well, you know, Jeff, as a 49ers fan, does Matthew Stafford have you worried about the 49ers chances to win this division? 
Uh, yeah, because the Rams have been two free wins for the Niners for the last like five years. Um, the the so what's funny is um, we have season tickets to the 49ers, my wife's family and I. Nice. And um, you know the Cowboys come to town. It's like that's a big rivalry. Rivalry. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks come to town. That kind of waxes and wanes. When the 49ers weren't good for a while, it wasn't a great rivalry. But every single time the Rams come to town, it's like they need to lose. Like we need to smash the Rams. And, yeah. and there's, it's, it reminds me of, uh, there's an old clip. Um, the defensive lineman's name is, is escaping me now, but it was um, when the Rams first moved back in 94, I believe. And he goes, same old, sorry ass Rams. Cause the Niners were smashing them. And um, that's my favorite thing to say. And <laughs> I don't think that applies anymore. That's the problem. Right is Jared Goff would find a way to screw it up. And now it's like Matthew Stafford's really good. And they got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to say, but I think the Rams are going to be pretty good this year. I would agree. And, you know, a, a Ram that's been t- discussed quite a bit here lately after the Cam Akers news is Daryl Henderson. Are you buying into the hype? Well, it's, I, it depends on what you mean by buy into the hype. So my, my take on Daryl Henderson was like, he's a quality running back. He's an above average NFL running back. Is he top 10? No, but there's a lot of backs that we like that aren't top 10 backs because there's only 10 of them. Um, you know, it's like Joe Mixon, I don't think is a top 10 back, but I do see, you know, people are like, yeah, but he's going to get a lot of volume, but Daryl Henderson, I think, you know, maybe in that, NFL quality rise running back like 18 range that'll get bumped up to a fantasy football, maybe top end running back too because of the offense and because of the opportunities. Um, but I mean, he had five games last year with 13 or more touches. He averaged 95 yards and he scored four touchdowns in those five games. And it's, it's, it's that thing where you got to remember, like people have this image in their mind of Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was only good for two years. In 2019, he was, he he and I have the same arthritic knee condition and I could tell, you know, that's why I've been off talk early for a long time. And, um, but he wasn't, he was actually bad for the Rams, but he was still a good fantasy football contributor because he was got like double digit touchdowns. I think Daryl Henderson can easily do that. The only problem to the upside is the Rams don't target the running back. They've been bottom three in targets each of the last two years to the running back. So it's like, that's going to limit his upside in PPR and half PPR leagues. But it's like, I, I just, I, I can't forget that Todd Gurley was actively bad in 2019 and he was still an amazing week to week play in fantasy football because the offense produces so many touchdown opportunities. May I ask for just for this year? I mean, after the Cam makers news, where did you, uh, how did you adjust your rankings for Daryl Henderson? So as of right now, um, I accidentally, I accidentally closed my, uh, my window. So I'm going to vamp here for a second. That's a very good question, Paul. Let me, let me ponder on that for one second while I no I'm definitely, I'm definitely not pulling my ranks back up. Uh, <laughs> I have Daryl Henderson, 23, 23, 23. Yeah. And he's, he's in the same range. So I have, I have a tier here of um, it's 20 in points wise. It's JK Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, Mike Davis, Daryl Henderson, and Kareem Hunt is kind of a tier there for me. You know, that's still a pretty, it's pretty good. Pretty high tier, you know? Yeah. Quality running backs around him for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, while we're talking about the running backs in this division, we mentioned Daryl Henderson. Chris Carson, he's been getting a lot of love here lately. Is he the best running fantasy running back in this division? A hundred percent. I was going to put when you, when I saw that question in the show notes, I'm like, no, I'm like, but there's 
yes, he is the best. Like I was, I was sitting there, I was like, but there's uh Chase. Ed- no, it's not Chase Edmonds, not James Conner. It's not the mess that the 49ers is going to be. It's Chris Carson. I mean, he's my number 13 running back this year. So it's like, he's, he, we talked about already the Seahawks love to run the football. They're, they're built around it. They're going to throw the ball more, but you can only throw the ball so much when you only have two, we'll say two and a half viable mm-hmm. passing options. And they're, you know, Rashad Penny's not taking those, um, those snaps from him. He might, I mean, every, but everybody shares. It's like DJ Dallas isn't a threat to him. So it's, you know, if I had to bet, not only do I think that he's the best fantasy running back in uh, this division, if I had to bet who's the running back that gets 300 carries or three, not 300 carries, I'm sorry, 300 touches. In this mm-hmm. division. It's like Chris Carson, a good gap, Daryl Henderson, and then everybody else. Like he's, he's just a quality back um, year in and year out. And uh, his only bugaboo is injuries really like that's the big thing with him. And um, it's, you know, it's, I don't know when this, when this goes up. So I'll say it's July or it's August depending on when this goes up. Um, But it's like, I, I can't, you know, if he's not currently hurt, I can't ding him for getting hurt. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, he's, he's up above, you know, four and a half yards per carry every single year. He catches the ball enough for it to matter, especially the last two years, 37 catches each of the last two years. It's, Mm -hmm. he's he's just a good solid all around running back. And, um, the only issue with him is the injuries. Yeah. And I mean, there's not many offenses I'd like to invest in that are, that I like more than Seattle's to be honest. I mean, they're, there's, they're, they're, kind of like they're not as good as Kansas city, but they're like Kansas city in that they're prolific and they're focused, which is what we'd like. You know, that's what we want. We want to be able to, we don't want, you know, Dwayne Eskridge and Gerald Everett to randomly have nine target games. We want Tyler Lockett to get a lot of targets. We want DK Metcalf to get a lot of targets and we want uh, Chris Carson to touch the ball a lot. And that's what mm-hmm. we get. And that's a lot like Kansas city with like, it's Tyree kill. It's Travis Kelsey. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's CEH. It's nobody else. Right. You're overthinking it. If you know, I, I sat down, I figured it out. I talk about Casey for a sec. If you picked the correct guy between Sammy Watkins, um, McCole Hardman to Marcus Robinson and uh, Byron Pringle last year, if you picked the correct guy each week, you got wide receiver 40 on the season. That's that's what you want in so far as I want a focus offense and Seattle is prolific and focused. And that's why I like Chris Carson. And that's why, you know, I like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson. Um, even though I, I wrote a thing this week where I ca- called Russell Wilson a bust, but it's more of a, Hey, he's in the top of this tier. You don't have to spend so much to get the top of this tier when there's the rest of the tier that you can go after. That's much cheaper. So, but I still like him a lot. Yeah. I actually just drafted uh Russell Wilson and, the uh, Raz Bowl, I believe it was, he was my eighth round pick, but I had DK Metcalf. So I was like, you know, in best ball, I'd like that stacking. I don't have much of Russell Wilson mm-hmm. and, or, you know, of the players around there and the quarterbacks around there, I said, I kind of like the upside that Russell Wilson offers, especially w- with what I think the offense is going to look like this year. I love Russ in the eighth. Don't get me wrong. Russ in the eighth is, is exactly where I'd want to take him. Cause my point in, in that, in that piece is that I have Russ in a tier with guys like Ryan Tannehill and Ryan Tannehill is going like round nine and Russ is going like round six or seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you got him in round eight, that's perfect. I would be so happy if I got Russ in round eight, but I, he's generally not going there. So kudos to you on that one. 
Oh, thank you, sir. You mentioned DK Metcalf. Mm -hmm. DK Metcalf or George Kittle? Who, who do you like more in Dynasty? This was the hardest question you gave me. <laughs> this was the hard. And honestly, like I looked at the notes again, you know, I started to prep the notes last night. I was like, oh, easy smash DK Metcalf. No questions asked. And then I went to bed. I woke up and I went, oh, easy smash George Kittle. No questions asked. So I had to start to think about like, you know, in Dynasty, I kind of have this thought process. I don't play a lot of Dynasty, to be honest with you. But oh, okay. I have this thought process. I, I love I love the puzzle box of redraft. Like I, I I say redraft is a puzzle box that you you get a new one every year and dynasty's the stock market and um you know DFS is like uh crack. It's like I just gotta get it. I just gotta right. get it, I gotta get that instant hit. And um so I Dynasty, I, I tend to think more short term than long term. And um, you know, as of right now, I see DK, I went George Kittle because DK Metcalf is in a tier of wide receivers that are all arguably wide receiver one, and they're all ascendant. George Kittle is in a tier of wide receiver ones with one guy who is going to probably only has maybe two years left, which is Travis Kelsey. And then it's like behind him is Hawkinson and Pitts. Um, and there's Waller and Kittle, and then those two contenders to the throne, and that's it. So I had to go Kittle here just because there's fewer guys to knock him off that pedestal. Whereas, you know, whichever young wide receiver did something great last year, fantasy Twitter was like, oh, that's a wide receiver one. AJ Brown, wide receiver one. DK Metcalf, wide receiver one. Justin Jefferson. It's like, no matter what happened, every week there was a new wide receiver one. So just because of that, it's like, you know, if I can pass on Kittle and get Justin Jefferson, I'd be just as happy as passing on Metcalf. Whereas if I passed on, DK Metcalf, you know, it's like, I would get Kyle Pitts who he could be anything. He could be George Kittle. It's like, we, mm -hmm. we don't know what he's going to be. Metcalf. I mean, to talk a little bit more Pitts also is facing a situation where he maybe only has one or two years left with his existing quarterback. And then that situation could be messy. And um, yeah. So I just like George Kittle more because his situation feels sturdier you know, with less behind him coming up to knock him off. Yeah, I know that you don't play much Dynasty, but mm -hmm. one thing about Dynasty, what I've always noticed is that even for me, elite tight ends don't really have that much value. They're more valuable as a trade as a asset as opposed to on your roster. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of that speaks to the fact that it's a onesie position. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's um, there's only 12 tight ends. I'm that start every week in a 12-team league usually. And the thing is, is, you don't have to dip into the blob, which is what we call like tight end, like seven through like 21 or 22. It's like, they're all the same. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to dip into the blob for years with George Kittle. That position set. I'm finding myself being like, you know what? I just don't, I, I, I don't want to play this game. And I lucked out and I got Logan Thomas last year, but Logan Thomas was good for like four weeks. Yeah. But I, I'd been playing that roulette and that carousel. And, and it's just like, there's only six guys this year that are worth having. And there's, I know it's a dynasty thing, but it's like, somebody has got to win this year. Somebody has got to win in the short term. So I'm not particularly worried what it means for him three, four years down the line. Agreed. Well, you know, one position in dynasty that has holds a lot of value even right now. And even with all the uncertainty around it is the, the running back of the 49ers. Who are you hoping wins that starting job? Oh, man. Oh God. Um, I want, I want Raheem Mostert to win. It's not, it's not a fun story for Trey Sermon to win. Oh, he is drafted in the third round and he is supposed to be good and he is good. 
it's not a fun story. You know, it, it's more fun. Raheem Mostert's a more fun story. He bounced around the league for years. Um, I remember I was at his breakout game uh, against the, it was a Thursday night football game against the Raiders, like 2018. And uh, he, he broke out. That was like his, his first big game of his whole career. And he was like 26 at that point. And then he broke his arm. So it's like, I was rooting for this guy to come back and be good. And he was really good. So I want Raheem Mostert to win. But the actual answer to your question is, is it doesn't matter what I want. It's Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan will just do whatever nonsense he feels like doing. And um, it's why I don't think that there will be a, I know we have to talk in this terminology, but I don't think there's going to be a winner of this competition. Tevin Coleman got way too many touches last year. Tevin Coleman got way too many touches in 2019, if we're being honest. Shanahan just loves to just like mix and match and always have fresh legs and always just pull guys up and, and have them be the running back three that game. And all of a sudden they're getting 12 touches, scoring yeah. three touchdowns, you know. So I want Raheem Mostert to win it. I'd be okay with Trey Sermon, but ultimately I think the difference between the two is like three to four touches per game. Yeah, I always uh, root for the other underdog as well. So, you know, Jeff, another position that's, you know, got some uncertainty surrounding the runner, at least, uh, you know, from what I understand is the starter for the quarterback. Who do you, do you think Trey Lance will be the week one starter? No, I don't think Trey Lance is going to be the week one starter. Um, there's a couple reasons for this. One, I have this general philosophy when I look at, like, unless a player just really just bashes the competition in and the other guy's looking really terrible. I think they're going to go with the incumbent to start. And the reason for that is um, if you go with the new guy and then you bench him, it makes it look like the bad guy, the new guy was a bad choice. It, it, it's really bad optically. It's really bad for the locker room because when you go to replace a, a, a guy, like a quarterback, like a Jimmy Garoppolo who helped lead this team to the Super Bowl, it's like, you need the buy-in of the locker room. And for him to go out the way he did last year, which was get an ankle injury, try to tough it out, fail to tough. Jeff, you still there? Garoppolo a chance to lose this job because if he doesn't lose the job, you means you're doing really well. If he does lose the job, you've got Trey Lance there and Garoppolo's missed, missed 10 games last year. He missed 13 games in 2018. So that's just a, a matter of time before it goes over to Trey Lance. So I think it's Garoppolo week one, but I do think Lance starts double digit games this year. Are you hoping that Trey Lance starts double digit games this year? I would, mm, I'm going to say, no, because that means that Jimmy Garoppolo is playing and playing well. But uh, for the fantasy guy in me and the guy that you know sees Trey Lance as a potential um, uh, Josh Allen type guy, that that guy is completely giddy for Trey Lance. But it's more of a, a pragmatism thing where it's like, well, if they don't if they don't bench Garoppolo, that means that they're winning. So that means I, if he starts the year, I don't want to see Trey Lance. But um, but at the same time, if they win with Trey Lance, it's you know, the, the Niners did this in 2011 with, uh, I believe it was 2011 with Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith, Alex Smith gets a concussion halfway through the Rams game and Colin Kaepernick leads him to the Super Bowl. 
I'd yeah. like if 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 that's how Trey Lance comes into the league, I'd be more than happy with that. <laughs> yeah. But I but that doesn't always happen. So that's why I, I would say no, I'd like Jimmy Garoppolo all year long. Well, if you had to choose between Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray to be the quarterback of the 49ers, who would you choose? See, this is how I know that you're not a 49ers fan. Because no 49ers <laughs> fan, no 49ers fan would choose Russell Wilson. That man has hurt us too many times. Too many times it, we call it um, Russell Wilson BS. You know, it's it's it started with Alden Smith used to do it, and now it's Nick Bosa does it, where he's all he's got Russell Wilson in his grasp. Russell Wilson spins out and throws the ball forty yards deep to you know an, a wide open Doug Baldwin or a wide open Tyler Lockett throughout the years. Um, plus, I mean, he's getting older, and I cannot in one lifetime swallow. 49ers legend Richard Sherman and 49ers legend Russell Wilson. I cannot do both. I, I, I just can't. I, I, I refuse. I refuse to do that. And Kyler Murray, I mean, Kyler Murray, I mean, Russell Wilson's career kind of feels like his median range. Like that guy is so good at so many different things. And he, he, he feels like this isn't an, his size, but he feels like a baby Russ. You feel it's, it's a lot. We see, see a lot of the same things where he's just, he's so elusive in the pocket. He's so willing to, uh, you know, stay upright, extend the play. And if he can't bomb it downfield, guess what? All your, all your DBs have their backs turned. He's rushing for 13 yards. And it's like, Kyler, I'm so annoyed because it's like, there's another one. It's like, I thought I was getting rid of Russell Wilson and now there's a new Russell Wilson and it's Kyler Murray. So I would go Kyler Murray one, because I could not possibly find myself rooting for Russell Wilson and two, because he's a young Russell Wilson. So I'll go with the young guy. Absolutely. Great choice there. Uh, you know, looking at the Cardinal situation, they bring in AJ green they drafted Rondell Moore. They have Christian Kirk there mm -hmm. and Larry Fitzgerald is currently a free agent. Yeah. Is the Cardinals wide receiver two of the future currently on the roster? Do you think? Yeah, it's Rondell Moore. Uh, I mean, they got Nuke, they got Rondell Moore. I think Rondell Moore will work perfectly in the, 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 the role that I always joke about the Randall Cobb role, the kind of Jack of all trades guy. Um, he is kind of small, but that doesn't matter if he can do a little bit of everything, you know, people like, Oh, it's Tavon Austin. It's like, well, not necessarily. Um, you know, it's, it's, it could be like a Debo Samuel or we'll see how he does this year. LaVisca Chenault type, um, which is perfect as your wide receiver too. Like if you have defenses keying in on Deandre Hopkins and you have defenses having to pay attention to Kyler Murray and then the chase Edmonds or James Conner, whoever's out there that leaves Rondale Moore just kind of in there to just like be forgotten about and just be really, really good. And, you know, that's, that's. If you have a system that works, which I hope to God Cliff Kingsbury does for the Cardinals sake, because so far I haven't seen it. Um, that could be, that could be perfect in, in like two years, that could be a well-oiled machine um, that just absolutely blows other teams away. Cause it's like Rondale Moore can't be a wide receiver one. He's too small. He's five, seven, like mm -hmm. he's a little guy, but right. I'm not, I'm not the height police. I'm not the BMI police, but I, I, uh, I recognize that there are certain things that certain players can't do just because of size and Rondale Moore can't be a wide receiver one, but he can be a really, really good wide receiver too. What are your thoughts on Christian Kirk? <sighs> Christian Kirk. I think he needs a change of scenery. He just something there's something has to have happened behind the scenes because they just keep finding new reasons and new ways to replace him. Like he, he had a, a solid 
rookie year. I had him as a breakout going into his sophomore year. And, you know, everybody did have him breakout going into 2019 and he had like 700 yards, but he's just this, like, he's just okay. He's, he's probably a guy, a category guy that's hard to define for people because they want everybody to have fantasy value, but he's probably better in real life than in fantasy. Like I mentioned the David Moore, the Kendrick Bourne types where it's mm-hmm. like, he's a key part of an offense, but he's never going to be the star and he's never going to do and, you know, get enough volume to be a, a, a huge fantasy guy. And, um, you know, I just, I think he needs to just go somewhere else. Like I'm trying to think where he could go. That would work well for him. Like he would probably be, if we assume that T Y Hilton moves on after 2021, he and Michael Pittman would be a good duo in Indianapolis. Um, trying to think where else he would he would be pretty good um coming up short actually on that but i i just think he needs a change of scenery that that, that that's that's what i think he needs i think he needs to get bumped down to like a, a solid wide receiver two on a team and not this like inconsistent role where it really depends on what guys around him are doing for his target volume because i think he's 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 good enough he's better than he's shown in the nfl is i guess the best way to put it yeah, I would agree. I mean, he uh, he really torched my Cowboys on Monday Night Football, so he, he holds a special place in my heart. Oh man, the the forgotten Cardinals receiver that I that holds a special place in my heart is Andy Isabella because that guy absolutely dominated the 49ers. He had like two targets. One of them was a 68 yard touchdown catch. And it's just yeah, like, oh, my God, yeah. So it's funny the guys that stick into your head because they're they're they're. I don't want to call them bums because they're in the NFL, but they're, they're, they're lesser players who tend to just absolutely smash you. Right. The 49ers and who make the playoffs this season? Uh, well, lots of teams. No, <laughs> the Rams. <laughs> no, I would, if I had to pick one second team from this division, I would say the Rams um, just because like they have one of, if not the best defense in the league, I, I, I cannot understate how much better I think Matthew Stafford is going to make the offense. And I can't understate how little I think not having cam Akers bumps them down for their playoff odds. Like I, the Rams scare me the most in this division. Like it's, I, I, I cannot think of a, a problem that they have that, that results in them losing more than let's see 17 game schedule. I would say five to six games. Um, the Seahawks could fall apart entirely. I mean, that, 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 that boat's already starting to shake apart and, um, you know, the Cardinals, they're on the upswing They're not, I don't think they're going to get there yet. So I think it's, I mean, it's, it's the Rams, the, Ra- the Rams scare me, Paul, <laughs> as they should. I mean, they, they, they keep me up at night. <laughs> well, we talked a little bit earlier about investments, Jeff, and you know, wh- which NFC West player are you buying in 2021? Am I buying? Uh, I am going to be buying Robert Woods. Keep talking about the Rams. Um, he's got hidden rushing yards, which is something, you know, it's not huge, but he gets about like 10 yards a game, which is one extra fantasy point, which is the difference between being like a wide receiver, you know, 20 and wide receiver, like 12 in a given week. And, um, you know, he's been a wide receiver one, two, or three in 68% of his games with the Rams. So it's like, he is a set and forget starter for you. And he's going like wide receiver 20. And it's like, you know, if he has some weeks where he's like wide receiver 26, whatever, but more often than not, he's going to be in that wide receiver 15 range. That's, that's just smash value at, at, at wide receiver 20. So I'm scooping up all the, all the, the Robert Woods that I can get. Well, what is 
uh, talk to us about one trade that you've made involving Robert Woods. What what are you comfortable trading for Robert Woods? I uh, see. That's the problem is I don't play in a lot of dynasty leagues. So I've been trying to get Robert Woods and I gotcha. uh, I'm I, what I've been dangling in is, is in the dynasty leagues that I'm in, I'm kind of rebuilding. So I've been dangling a back end of the first form and uh, I've got a guy who's like, let me see who's still around there um, in one league, but I only play in like three dynasty leagues. But in terms of redraft, I'm like, I'm comfortable taking him in like, see, he's wide receiver 20. I'm comfortable taking him in the wide receiver 14, 15 range. But the thing is, is I don't have to. People are taking, so what I do is people take Cooper Cup and then I go, okay, I'll take Robert Woods with my next pick. As soon as Cooper Cup comes off the board, I'm like, Robert Woods is my next pick. Like it's a, it's a trigger for me. And it's, it's you know, sometimes I get him wide receiver 15. Sometimes I get him wide receiver like 22, 23. And it's just like, I'm more than happy to do that every single time. Yeah, it's nice to see Robert Woods finally getting the respect that he's he's earned over the last three seasons. Of fantasy. Yeah, he's. I mean, we we have a we have a joke, you know, when we talk about people tend to overthink things when um with with players and stuff in the fantasy space and like oh target shares and opportunity shares and like weighted target shares. We're like, is he hashtag good at football? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you'll see me tweet from time to time hashtag good at football. That's that's our thing. It's like, hey, he's good at football. Yeah. they'll fi- they'll figure out the rest it doesn't matter what is what his weighted opportunity share is or or whatever it's like he's a i don't know if i could guess. he's a darn good football player and it's like the rest they'll figure out sean McVay's is not an idiot so i the rest will the rest will fall into place agreed well you know i know who you're buying who are you selling in the nfc west this year <sighs> this is funny because i just said you know we joke and say uh you know don't overthink it hashtag good at football brandon ayuk is good at football, but I'm yeah. selling Brandon. I'm selling Brandon Ayuk because Brandon Ayuk, this is the second straight year where we see, Oh, there's a 49ers wide receiver going as a wide receiver two who has wide receiver one upside. And I'm going, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have that upside. The reason for that is the 49ers. They chunk off like 30% of their targets for George Kittle. And then they figure out the rest. So it's with George Kittle in the lineup, the Niners throw to the wide receiver like 14 times per game. Like that's it. That could change with Trey Lance, but we talked earlier about ideally Trey Lance doesn't see the field this year. If Trey, if, if everything goes well for the 49ers, there's no Trey Lance this year. This isn't going to be a Miami Dolphins situation where like, oh, let's see what we have with Tua Tungalavailoa halfway through the year. Um, so I'm selling Brandon Ayuk because not because I don't like him, but because I don't think his value is ever going to be higher. Like right now, it's like people are going insane for him. People are like, oh, he's my wide receiver 14. And it's like, why? What are, what are you doing? What yeah. are you, like, like just, just look at how this team is run. They could run the ball a ton. When they don't run the ball, they throw the ball to George Kittle. They got a running quarterback now uh, if if they change over. So it's not like it's not like they're going from a like run the ball, throw conservatively with Jimmy Garoppolo to a like a like Matthew Stafford who's just gonna air it out a million times a game. It's like no, it's going to be more of the same offense with the with the quarterback running the ball more. And so that means less for Brandon Ayuk. And that means less for Debo Samuel. And it's like, I just, I'm, I'm selling Brandon Ayuk because I don't think his value is going to be any higher because I think people are going to be a little bit disappointed in what his volume is going to be this year. If you had any shares, have you sold them already? I had no shares. I had no shares of Brandon Ayuk. I... I, it was one of those just swing and a miss situation. Every time I just ended up with him nowhere. Like I don't play in enough dynasty leagues to be like, Oh yeah, I have a 13% exposure to Brandon. Eric. It's like, I play in like three or four dynasty leagues. It's like, yeah. I just, it was just a swing and a miss everywhere. I, you know, I would, uh, Brandon Ayuk for Robert Woods. I could probably get Brandon Ayuk 
if I had Ayuk, I could probably get, squeeze something else out of the other guy with for Robert Woods, just because of the impression of Robert Woods and the impression of Brandon Ayuk. Mm-hmm. So, but again, I'm not a dynasty guy. I have it in my profile. I say I'm never referring because <laughs> people are like, "Oh, you're referring to redraft." So I finally put it in my Twitter profile. I'm like, "I'm not. Ne- I'm never referring to dynasty. I'm always talking redraft." That's what our website focuses on is redraft leagues because, uh, in the space in the the expert space, um. I mean, this is an audio medium, so I made air quotes. Uh, redraft is kind of left behind, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if you think about the biggest names in the in the field, they're all mainly redraft guys. So it's like, if you want to have a big audience, it kind of feels like maybe dip your toe into redraft a little bit. Absolutely. That, that's I, just me. Redraft always holds a special place in my heart because that was the only time of the year I got to do a live draft. Oh, live drafts are so much fun. They are, they are so much fun. We... Um, we missed out on it last year, obviously, because of because of COVID. And it's actually been a couple of years since we did it in my home league. Uh, shout out Sacramento Boys, the, the the first fantasy league I ever played in. Um, but we're talking about doing it this year, a live draft, and I'm I could not be more excited. That sounds awesome, man. Yeah. All right, so you're buying Robert Woods, you're selling Brendan Ayuk. Mm-hmm. Who are you holding in the NFC West? Tyler Lockett. I it's just right now the the. The impression of what Tyler Lockett is is vastly different from what Tyler Lockett is as a player. Everybody remembers, we got in a big argument about this on the podcast because one of my podcast co-hosts, Mike Valverde, loved the guy, super smart about football. He's a dang football encyclopedia. But he said, hey, such and such percent of his production came in his 200-yard three-touchdown game. And we were like, yeah, because it was 200 yards and three touchdowns. Like, it's, it's, it, of course that's, of course that's going to be a big chunk of his production. But he fell off at the end of last year because the lit, lit Russ Cook era ended. Yeah. And but during the Lit Russ Cook era, if it comes back, he averaged, I mean, he was on pace for 96 receptions, 1094 yards, 13 touchdowns, not including that three touchdown 200 yard game. Like he is really good. He's I think he's my wide receiver 15 or 16. Um because he but he's not going in there. He's the perfect like back end wide receiver two who will have boom weeks for you oh he's wide receiver 19 for me that's right i redid some ranks and but the impression of tyler lockett was like oh he was junk he had that he just had that three touchdown 200 yard game so you're not going to get good value for tyler lockett he is better off on your roster than off of it right now well you know i sold him earlier in the offseason just because i felt like that 203 cd game really inflated his value and when you look at his week-to-week numbers yeah but really really inconsistent so um you know Looking back, of course, hindsight being 2020, I kind of wish I would have held because on that team I had Allen Robinson as a, and Amari Cooper, and it was a start wide receiver three. So a guy like Tyler Lockett in that type of offense is is a perfect really wide receiver three to start every single week. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely perfect. Yeah, because you've got A-Rob, who's a lock for 150 targets. you got Amari Cooper, who's the alpha in what might be the best offense in the NFL. And then you've got Tyler Lockett, who occasionally will throw down 200-yard, three-touchdown games in your wide receiver three slot. Right. Like, that's the perfect type of team to have Tyler Lockett on. Are you a fan of the wide receiver three format? Or do you play much in that? Or have you ever played in I it? Love, I love three wide receivers. The the league that I shouted out, the Sacramento Boys League, it's been three wide. It's the format that I played longest. It's been three oh, wide okay, receivers cool. since. We started that league in 2003, 2004. Nice. It's, it's been three wide receivers since like 2006. Wow, like okay. I, I was, I forget that, I forget that there's two wide receiver leagues, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, you know, I do kind of think that's a format that most people don't play, but it's one of the better ones just because it really gives an increase in value to the wide receivers and the depth that that really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but if to anybody listening, if you have a three wide receiver league, do not do it with zero PPR. Just don't do it because the if you, if you have a deeper pool of wide receivers you need to pull from, you need to create a deeper pool to pull wide receivers from. So that means half PPR or PPR. Um, but but I love it. Yeah, it's uh, three wide receivers, two flex, just jamming all kinds of guys in there into that lineup every week. Absolutely. So we know who you're buying, who you're selling, who you're holding. And again, you don't, you've mentioned that you don't play much Dynasty, but I'm curious, who are you stashing out of the NFC West? So Okay, so I, I misunderstood the question. I, I, I understood it as a season-long format. So I'm going to think while I'm talking about my answer and then come to a Dynasty answer for you. So yeah, go for it. In season long, it's Wayne Gallman. So I taught the 49ers offense. They love to run to two running backs. They love to do it. And with the, the Jeff Wilson Jr. Injury, the third wide receiver, the third running back is Wayne Gallman. Like there's Elijah Mitchell there. There's Michael hasty. Um, but the third's going to be Wayne Gallman. And I don't see Jeff Wilson Jr. Coming back this year. Just the 49ers strength and conditioning team is awful. I don't, I don't see Jeff Wilson coming back this year. So I'm stashing Wayne Gallman because Raheem Boster gets hurt all the time. And, um, you know, Sermon also has an injury history. So it just takes one of those guys getting banged up. And then all of a sudden Wayne Gallman's getting 13 touches a week. And um, I took this approach with Raheem Moster in 2019 and profited. I took this approach with Jeff Wilson Jr. in 2020 and profited. So taking the third stashing, drafting and stashing in any redraft league, the third best uh, wide receiver on the 49ers, um, our third best running back on the 49ers is an easy road to profit every single year with Kyle Shanahan. And while I was thinking Van Jefferson. (laughs) <laughs> to bring it back to our discussion at the beginning. Yes, I think Van sir. Jefferson, he's he's going to have the same thing where he's got to wait his turn. Um, but I think he will have more consistent production in 2022 and beyond with the, with the Rams offense, as opposed to Wayne Gallman, who's probably on a different team in 2022. Raheem Mostert, or, you know, let me, let's do this. Trey Sermon or Wayne Gallman, who, who do you think scores more fantasy points this season? Oh, uh, Trey Sermon. I think Trey Sermon scores a lot more, but um, the opportunity cost to get Wayne Gallman is a, a lot cheaper. I'm doing a, uh, with some guys on fantasy Twitter, I'm doing, I think it's a 20 round draft. And I just got him around 18. So it's like, that's, that's a real cheap, like I say, he's a stash, but Trey Sermon, you think about it this way, 49ers run a two pack system. They run a, a, a lot through the running backs. It's going to start with Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon. And then it's probably going to go once Raheem Mostert gets hurt. Trey Sermon gets elevated to running back one. Wade Gallman becomes running back two. So Trey Sermon has a role all year long. Wayne Gallman doesn't really. Right. So, but at the same time, Trey Sermon's like running back. I've seen him go as high as like running back like 24 in drafts, like RB2. And it's just like, you know, I, I can see it. But at the same time, it's, 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 um, it's a little, it's a little rich for my blood. Understandable. All right, Jeff, before we get you out of here, give us your NFC West bold take for 2021. They will have four quarterbacks in the top 12 in fantasy points per game. All four (laughs) quarterbacks. You got Stafford. So Russ and Kyler is easy. Stafford is close. The bold is Trey Lance when he gets his opportunity. Because I think Trey Lance, like I gave the whole spiel about I don't want Jimmy Garoppolo to come off the field, but I think ultimately he will. I think Trey Lance starts. I think I project him for 12 or 13 games the majority of the season. Once he comes in, boom, hits the ground running. Four of the top 12 quarterbacks come out of the NFC West. 
I love it. That, that's a great uh, bold take there. Well, Jeff, I mentioned the fantasy football absurdity earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, let the people know a little bit about uh, where they can find your work and any any podcast or YouTube channels. All right. So we've got footballabsurdity.com. Right now we have our player profiles going out. When they're all done, we'll have profiles on 25 quarterbacks, 25 tight ends, 50 running backs, 60 wide receivers. Um, there is a little, uh, if you go to auction values on the site, there is a little index of all of them. Um, we are also on the discord, our discord, which is a lot of fun, tiny.cc slash FB absurdity. So for football absurdity, um, we run salary cap drafts with people from the discord every single day. So I've seen something where people are like, Oh, I like salary cap drafts, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, really how to get in, you know, to start and all that stuff. We run every single day. I love salary cap drafts. Evan, who's our salary cap guy, our auction guy, he is the best I've ever seen. Um, so those are two plugs. Third plug, twitch.tv slash football absurdity. We've got salary cap drafts that we stream. We've got snake drafts that we stream. We've got in in the archive, uh, we've got, you know, me doing projections, uh, me talking about a dynasty startup with at Zachy NFL, uh, Zach who writes for the lateral. Um, he made, I think 13 trades in our dynasty startup draft this year. So we talked about that. Um, what else, what, what else have I missed? Oh, the podcast football absurdity podcast, uh, right now, every other week in the off season, we got Lindell at Lindellians on Twitter coming on this week, talk about the AFC West the week after that'll be in our Patreon feed the week after that. We've got Kevin Genson who does beer sheets. He's going to be talking the NFC West or I'm sorry, NFC East, except for the Cowboys. We've got Michael Fabiano coming on to talk to the Cowboys. I'm very excited slash scared about that. And uh, if you want to hear me yammer on about something that's not football, I do have an action movie podcast where we watch bad action movies. It's called The Reactionaries. Um, it's The Reactionaries, an action movie podcast. That's every other week right now. We're doing what we call the summer blockbusters. So our last three episodes were uh, Con Air, Broken Arrow and Face Off, three of the late 90s classics action movies. And follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crisco, K R I S K O. I knew there was one thing I was forgetting. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, I forgot to ask you earlier, earlier so I appreciate you uh, uh, giving their Twitter handle there. Mm-hmm. And you can find every article, except apparently the podcast doesn't go up that, but every article <laughs> we post goes up on, on my tw- Twitter feed automatically. Yeah, I love those player profiles you've been sharing, Jeff. And again, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Thank I you appreciate for having you joining me. me. Yes, yeah, sir. no, I, I, I hope that I didn't get a chance to listen to Josh, Josh's episode from last week, but I hope I, I hope I, I did a good job of following that up. I was a little nervous when I was like, oh man, he got Larky on last week. That dude's a database. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I hope, uh, I hope I, uh, I uh, uh, gave the people something to think about. I guess. Oh, absolutely. Again, guys, uh, you can find I am Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Be sure to give Jeff, Jeff a follow as well. I appreciate you joining us and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you. <laughs>